This is Judith Lay welcoming you to Manx Radio and to the podcast of this week's edition of At Your Service. Manx Radio. And it's a magazine programme that I have for you today with an invitation to walk through the Bible, the story of a dog called Jacko, the chance to be in a very large time capsule, And from the archives, worship leader and musician Graham Kendrick chooses the one song he'd like to be remembered for writing. But let's start with a very traditional hymn, a beautifully orchestrated arrangement of Praise to the Holiest in the Height.
the St. Michael Singers and a very stirring version of Praise to the Holiest in the Height. I wonder if you remember when Thought for the Day was a regular feature starting and ending each day of our broadcasting here on Manx Radio. When Peter Shimon, a lay reader in the Anglican Church, joined the rota of contributors, he'd just got a puppy, a lurcher called Jacko, and he always managed to make thoughts about his faith link into the challenges and the joys of life with his new companion. Listeners might not have always remembered Peter's name, but they were always keen for more stories about Jacko. I think dog owners in particular recognised so many of Jacko and Peter's escapades. This, from 2016, is very typical. Jacko, being a lurcher, is a very fast runner. So when he's chasing a ball with another dog, he always gets there first. But he's running so fast that he can't stop and goes flying on. The dog following behind gets the ball. Sometimes we can be like that in our decision-making. We rush on without thinking of the consequences. I think it's always a good thing before taking an important decision to consult others and above all to pray. Listen to the words of James in the Bible. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. The man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. That warning of being a double-minded man really speaks to me because I have a tendency to procrastinate. It's good not to rush at a decision, It's good to ask others, it's good to pray about it, but at the end of the day, we have to make the decision. Isn't it reassuring to know that if we pray to the Lord, he promises to guide us, giving us wisdom? Recently, Peter told me that Jacko had died, and as so much of his life had helped us to pause and reflect, I asked Peter if he'd like to share a final thought for the day, inspired by his own faith and his life with Jacko. Jacko died of a heart attack. He was nearly 13 and had a good life, but we miss him. Looking back, what strikes me is how different he became after I moved to Andreas. What made the difference? When Jacko and I lived down south, though very lovable, he was known to be over-boisterous, even a bit wild. I remember when he pinched another dog's ball and ran off every time I tried to get it off him. Most embarrassing. Another time, I got in my car, put my seatbelt on. It came up in my hand. He had chewed it right through. He escaped from my garden and chased a cat up a lamppost, and an old lady rescued the cat. I had to renew the fence round my garden to make it Jacko-proof. But Jacko gradually changed. He became such a gentle, friendly, well-behaved dog. What made the difference? I have to say he still had his moments, especially if he saw a cat. But with people and other dogs... He was always so friendly and gentle, and very rarely even barked. He was no guard dog. Everyone was welcome in his house, even other dogs. So what made the difference? 
I don't think it was the move up north. So what was it? I think it must be getting married five years ago. My wife Sylvia was always loving but firm with him. I think her influence gradually changed him. Jesus, if we invite him into our lives, will make a difference. Because he died for us on the cross, we are freely forgiven our misdemeanours. And Jesus rose again and gives us the Holy Spirit to inspire us and help us to live the way he wants us to. But we will still have our moments as our old human nature is still within us. But Jesus will transform us, giving us love, hope, purpose and an eternal destiny. Thank you to lay reader in the Anglican Church, Peter Shimon, sharing a final reflection on faith and life with Jacko. The music is Come, O Wisdom of God by the duo Came. are usually quite modest in size, but there's a very big one being prepared in Peel with a one-day-only chance for you to be involved. As we've mentioned before on this programme, the cathedral in Peel is closed at present for major works, including relaying the entire floor, making it into a more usable space that's safe, level and includes more efficient and greener heating. The last base layer of the floor has now been laid, and so, for one day only, everyone has a chance to go into the cathedral and sign the floor. Then the top layer of stone will be laid, which will hide the signatures, and so the whole floor will become a time capsule. And the one day when this can be done is next Saturday, March the 2nd. The cathedral will be open from 9am to 6pm, so pop in any time. You'll be able to see the work so far, sign the floor and be in the cathedral time capsule. A donation of £5 to sign the floor is suggested, but no one will be turned away. And in addition to accepting cash, the cathedral has got a machine to accept card payments. And something else happening next Saturday is described as interactive, memorable, fun and engaging. And the man who's coming to the island to make it all happen is online now to tell us more. Good morning and welcome to Paul Keyes, director of Walk Through the Bible. And next Saturday, you're inviting us to join you in St John's Methodist Church to walk through the New Testament. So remind us, Paul, just what is a walk through the Bible. We do what it says on the tin. We take people through the storyline of the, the New Testament in a day with the added bonus of uh, the 400 years in between the Old and the New Testament. Looking at all the influences that happened in that intertestamental period with the likes of Alexander the Great, 
and the Romans coming into play and the Maccabean revolt. And how does that all pin together? And how does it give us a different understanding? In the Old Testament, it was written in one language. And then the New Testament was written in a new language with a new understanding. I think we're very much New Testament understanding people. And maybe maybe we don't understand why we understand the new so much better than we understand the old. But this will be a, a great opportunity to look at that that movement from a from a Hebrew thought thinker through to a Greek thinker. Do you think that we look upon the New Testament as full of stories and people that we can more easily relate to than the characters of the Old Testament? I think you're right. When we look at the old, it does feel very different. And it does feel like a, a story about people that may, we maybe don't know so well. So when we when we look at Jesus and we look at disciples, uh, we maybe get a, a, a greater understanding. But context is such a, a key part to this. What makes what you are doing different from any other kind of way of reading or studying the Bible that we might have come across before? I always feel slightly uh, awkward about uniquenesses. I'm really pro so many different types of Bible reading. At the minute, we're going through a, a Navigators series in our church, reading five chapters a week, so kind of one on every weekday, and that works really well. When I preach on a Sunday, I take a few verses and delve deeper into them, and that works really well too. But what we do at Walkthrough is just different to that, uh, and I have feel like it supports the work of so many churches and ministries to understand that we're not trying to uh, replace different ways of studying the Bible, but just trying to supplement that with a, a bird's eye, big picture view, seeing how it all fits together uh, and what the grand sweeps are at the time. How does how does the context change our understanding of the story? We don't usually get a chance to do that in church settings. So this is a great opportunity to do something a little different on a Saturday. We really do want people to look at the big picture, but we also want to encourage people once they're done to go back and look at the little bits again to see how does our understanding change when we've seen the bigger picture. It's certainly not a replacement, but it's a wonderful addition. Paul, for somebody who is perhaps finding their, their feet in their faith and perhaps not heavily into going to church, could they still get something from it? Would you still urge them to come along? Yeah, this feels like a funny thing to me too, where I, I feel like uh, people people always want to know, who does it work best for? Does it work for new people? Does it work for people who've been around for a long time? Does it work for people who know nothing about the Bible? Does it work for people who know lots about the Bible? And I think that because it's such a different view, because we're looking at it from such a different angle, those of us who've been reading our Bible for 40, 50 years or longer will still take a massive encouragement to see it differently. But for those who've never seen it before, the big picture approach is a great introduction. It's a great way to start. So this really is a day for everyone to join Paul Keyes to walk through the Bible, the New Testament. It's in St. John's Methodist Church next Saturday, March the 2nd, from 10am to 4.30pm. The church will be open from half past nine for a prompt 10 o'clock start, and you're asked to bring along a packed lunch. I'm sure hot drinks will be provided. The cost is £14, including the course material that will be used, with free admission for all young people aged between 11 and 17. 
Let's have a final few words now from Paul Keyes, who will be leading Saturday's Walk Through the New Testament. Paul, you're obviously passionate about sharing your love for the Bible with others. But who started you on your own faith journey? I grew up in a Christian household. My mum and dad took me to uh, church from the very early days. And uh, I, I went until I was about, about 11 years old. And it was suggested that there was, a, there was a guy coming over from the US called Billy Graham. And he was coming to a stadium near me. And uh, we should bring our friends, all those people who have not yet committed to Jesus should bring their friends. And I went and I brought my friends because I was told to bring my friends. And I found out when I got there, listening to, to Billy talk from the front, that I wasn't following Jesus myself. And actually, the friends that I brought were not the ones who went forward. It was me that went forward. And uh, I had to make a commitment for myself even though I'd been brought up in a Christian household, there had to be a, be a day where I said, I mean, and I long to, to follow Jesus and to see what it is that he has for me. And walk through the Bible is a, is a part of that. There's so much more besides there's a prayer life, there's a Bible reading life, there's a fellowship life. There's, there's so much to the Christian faith that we can be thankful for. Thank you, Paul Keyes, Director of Walk Through the Bible. And Paul will be in St. John's Methodist Church next Saturday to bring the New Testament to life. Doors open at half past nine for a 10 o'clock start and the day finishes at half past four. And you've still got time afterwards to pop down to the cathedral to sign the floor because it's open on Saturday from 9am to 6pm. About 10 years ago, worship leader and musician Graham Kendrick visited the island at the invitation of Broadway Baptist Church, where I had the chance to chat with him about his charity work, leading worship in his home church in Tunbridge Wells, and, as you might imagine, songwriting, something he'd been doing since he was very young, citing his biggest musical influences as the Beatles and the Baptist hymn book. But he was very aware that, at the time we were talking, he had some stern critics and his music wasn't to everyone's taste. But as Graham pointed out, that's been the fate of other hymn writers through the ages. The great hymn writer Isaac Watts, you know, who was actually one of the first to branch out from what was at that time only psalm singing in churches. And he began to write beautiful hymns. And his motive was to try to again, unpack the stories. In many cases, for children, he wrote a lot of songs for children. But at the time, people came down so heavily on this newfangled stuff, and now they're our traditional hymns. Which are the songs that you would like to be most remembered for? I think it has to be The Servant King, which I wrote back in the 80s, actually, and uh, is actually in the UK, is the most used song of mine currently, interestingly enough. I think it has a lot of the qualities. It's got a singable tune. It opens up a story. There is some poetic imagery there. From heaven you came, helpless babe. Entered our world, your glory there. Not to be served, but to serve.
song has several dimensions to it so every time you sing it it feels a little bit different and that's usually because of the the imagery and if there's you know some sort of poetry woven in there it, it sparks the imagination come see his hands and his feet the scars that speak of that flung stars into space to cool and surrender This is our God the servant king If we simply are there to enjoy a cultural experience that's failed to live up to what the gospel is about. So I love to build into a song a signpost to action at the end. And often it's in, like in the Servant King, it's, you know, so let us learn how to serve, worshipping the Servant King. And, you know, now it's for us to emulate what Christ did. So let us learn how to serve. Graham Kendrick talking and singing the song for which he would most like to be remembered, The Servant King. 
And now it's time to take a look at our notice board and during these weeks of Lent, as we spring clean our lives in preparation for the great celebration of Easter, you may well have chosen to support the Lent lunches, a simple, nourishing meal with proceeds supporting local and global charities. So here's a roundup of where you can find this year's Lent lunches. I'm just going to give you the venues, times and cost because the food is very similar everywhere. Always soup and bread, desserts and hot drinks and maybe one or two extra surprises. Incidentally, Lent lunches don't start in Ramsey until March the 5th and as far as I know there are no Lent lunches served anywhere on a Wednesday. So, Monday, St George and All Saints Parish Hall, Alexander Drive in Douglas, from noon till half past one, £7.50. Tuesday, it's the Abbey Church Hall in Balasala, served from 12 noon till 2pm, costing £7. Every Thursday, it's the Cool Methodist Chapel Hall on Cool Road in Braddon, from noon till 2pm, costing £7. And also every Thursday, there are lunches in St Anthony's Pastoral Centre in Onken from half past 12 till 2pm, £8 each. Then every Friday, it's lunch at St Thomas's Church on Finch Road here in Douglas from noon until half past one. Suggested donation, £7. And a word of thanks to everyone who's donating food for the lunches and helping with the cooking and the serving. And in other notice board news, you're invited to a Lenten reflection this Wednesday, the 28th, at half past seven in St George's Church here in the centre of Douglas, entitled I Have Called You Friends. It'll be led by the Right Reverend Mark Davis, Bishop of Middleton in the Diocese of Manchester, who's been appointed by the Archbishop of Canterbury to have care of this diocese of Sodor and Man until a new bishop is appointed. Everyone is welcome. It's a chance for us to come together and share a time of prayer and reflection. Bishop Mark is an excellent communicator and this promises to be a very special evening. On Friday, March the 1st, there's a coffee morning in Onken Methodist Church Hall in aid of the Leprosy Mission. Michael Hardy from the charity will be there to provide an update on the progress being made with current projects. And Friday, March the 1st, is World Day of Prayer, with the theme this year being I Beg You, Bear With One Another in Love, with stories and prayers for peace prepared by the women of Palestine and uniting churches around the world who are using this same service this coming Friday. There may be other services, so look out for posters in your area, but these are the ones that I know about. The churches in Douglas are sharing a service in the Cathedral Church of St Mary of the Isle in Hill Street here in Douglas on Friday morning at 10 o'clock. And in the south, there's a morning service being hosted by St Catherine's Church in Port Erin. They begin with refreshments from 10 o'clock onwards in the church hall, where there'll also be a fair trade stall. And the service itself will start on Friday at 11am in St Catherine's Church. And there's a children's corner in the church, so you're welcome to bring along little ones. The churches in the north have a service on Friday evening hosted by Ramsey Baptist Church. And it'll be held in the town hall in Ramsey starting at half past seven. Refreshments will be served before and after the service and you're asked to use the back door to the town hall accessible from the town hall car park. 
And because next Saturday is the first Saturday in March, it's time for the monthly Glen May Craft Market. Open on Saturday from 11am to 4pm in Glen May Chapel and Community Centre. Homemade produce and handicrafts and so much more. Entry is free and homemade light lunches with those famous bacon baps will also be on sale. Just head for Glen May and look out for the bunting and the banners. And finally, next Sunday, March the 3rd, there's a mariner's service at Kirkchrist Russian Parish Church, led by Reverend Canon Joe Heaton, with, as usual, afterwards, supper and community hymn singing. And I'm afraid that's all that we have time for now. But I'll be back later in our virtual lounge tonight from nine o'clock onwards with our usual mix of easy listening music, your requests and your dedications. So until whenever we meet again, this is Judith saying thank you for listening and I wish you and those you love a blessed and peaceful week and a very good morning. Station Man's Way